Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Uh, my son is home from college. He's getting married in a couple of months, and uh, he runs this uh, mattress business where he goes and picks up mattresses that are gently used and, and resells them because there's all kinds of market for this, and quite frankly, he's done really well at it while he was in college. So I went with him up to Denver yesterday, and we go into like the inner bowels of this four-story old apartment complex that had been around forever. And we go in this apartment and while we're getting uh, this mattress, I said, hey, do you mind if you use your restroom? No, he didn't mind. Uh, he was a single guy. And while I was in there, my son started talking to him and he said, tell me something about you. And he said, well, I graduated from this little known college called Liberty University. Uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia. He's like, oh, my dad did too. And I came out of the bathroom. And the first thing this total stranger says to me is, so you graduated from Liberty University? I was like, yeah, how'd you know that? It's <laughs> like, did God give you a word or something? And come to find out, like 15 years ago, he had attended Vanguard. You can't make this stuff up. Like, you can't make this stuff up. Like, God is at work in your life. And if you need all the dots of your life to be connected immediately, I, you're going to be disappointed. But if you'll keep showing up and living for Jesus, he's going to make it all perfectly fit together for your good. Amen. We're going to talk today about the concept of submitting to spiritual authority. See, five years ago, come this July, the Lord gave me a prophetic word. Now, that's a problem because I'm Southern Baptist, all right? But I've become Baptocostal, but I keep the Baptist first, the Costal second, all right? And I'm happy and confused all at the same time, all right? But the Lord said to me, there's going to be a network of pastors that are going to fall, and I have chronicled that through social media over the last five years. It's not done yet. And the concept of submitting yourself to spiritual authority when you look at all the horrible examples, it's like, come on, are you kidding me? I mean, submitting to spiritual authority is a traditional biblical view that's steeped in a lot of stupidity, right? Because you see over and over again examples of why you shouldn't submit to spiritual authority. But I want you to understand something. You were made to submit to something. You are built to be in submission to something. Now, I'm curious. How many people love country music? Be honest. Oh, my goodness. I could have sworn I would be the only one in the house this morning. Thank you, Vopples. I appreciate that. Listen to this song. I woke up singing the song this morning. And I don't know when the last time was I heard this. You think that you found a way to ease your troubled mind. You filled a glass and then you drink it down. You fill it one more time. Well, the wine will flow and the pain will go, but the spell will never last. You'll never find the answer 
in the bottom of a glass. You know it holds no secret, no secret way to help you in your strife. But for a while, you're in another world and you wake up in the past. You'll never find the answer in the bottom of the glass. That bottle there is not, that bottle there is not your friend. When it's gone, it leaves you cold. The strength it gives you slips away for it's something you can't hold. Your hands will shake and then you'll take another from the flask. And you'll realize you'll never find the answer at the bottom of the glass. Amen? It reminded me this morning, and I felt like the Lord said to me again, you're going to worship something with your life. You're going to worship something with your life. You're going to submit your life to something. The question is, who or what will you worship with your life? I want to invite you today to take your program or your Bible or your internet device, and we're going to continue in this Matthew series. We've got about six weeks left in the book of Matthew. And we're going to talk today about spiritual authority and the fact that God requires us. God the Father requires us to see Jesus as our spiritual authority. And the people in Jesus' day struggled with that. And I want you to know that the people in our day, including me, struggle with that. See, tomorrow will be a significant day in my life for a variety of reasons. Number one, my journey grace will turn 15 years old. Number two, I got engaged to Tasha uh, back in 1992. Uh, thank you. It was you, right? All right. And so that was like, what, uh, 30 years ago. Right? Am I getting that right? Am I doing the math right? Somebody help me here. And then probably the most important, those are extremely important, but May 1980, May 2nd, 1980, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And so for 42 years tomorrow, I've walked with the Lord. I walked not perfectly. And I want to tell you that tomorrow as it marks 42 years, I have not perfectly walked with the Lord one day yet, Pastor Chris. I haven't had one good day, perfect day yet. But I ain't quitting. I ain't giving in. I ain't giving up. I ain't giving out. I'm going to keep showing up. And that's a choice you make. It's a choice you make in your marriage. It's a choice you make in your faith. It's a choice you make for your church. It's a choice you make for your Savior. You have to decide what you're going to submit your life to. That is your choice. So how do you and I accept Jesus as our spiritual authority? Look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Now, I want you to understand, these are the people who have labeled themselves as the people of God. These are not strangers to the things of God. These are not strangers to God's word or to God's Torah or to the story of God's people. 
But when Jesus comes on the scene, the first thing that happens among God's people is that they start saying to themselves, who's this guy? If Jesus showed up, the incarnation Jesus showed up in your life right now, visibly so that you could see him, and he starts working in your life, would you recognize him? Or would you say, excuse me, sir, do we know each other? Have we ever met? Do we have some sort of connection with one another? How do you do all these sorts of things? How far has your faith drifted during the pandemic that you don't even recognize yourself? You don't even see yourself in the mirror, in your life, in your relationships. Where have you gone? Where has your faith gone? I say to God over and over, John, I say this to God a lot. Where did that guy go? I want that guy to come back. I want to be the guy that when God starts working in my life, I recognize it immediately. But so many times God has to knock on my heart's door and say, do you realize this is me? Do you realize I'm the one doing this? Do you realize that I'm at work and if you'll just keep showing up, I'm gonna already do what I've decided I'm gonna do. I go, oh, wow, I forgot that. Look at verse 55. Is this not the carpenter's son? Boy, that's a loaded statement. Because anybody who knew Jesus knew Joseph wasn't his daddy. Anybody who knew Jesus knew that Joseph, excuse me, Joseph wasn't his dad and that there was a story that no one could believe about Jesus. Now, is his mother not called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? And where then did this man get all these things? They took offense at him. I want you to see that again. Jesus is here to love them, help them, die for them, rescue them from their sins. And they're going, you're a very offensive person to me. I do not like you. The, peop the very people that should have recognized Jesus when he came on the scene said, we don't like you. You are offensive to us. You really bother me. See, there's so many people who quit the church because the church has hurt them, but no one has been more hurt by the church than Jesus, and he still died for it. Amen. Isn't that amazing? If you quit showing up to church because somebody has hurt you, you are the opposite of who Jesus is because Jesus actually leaned in. I'm not saying this is easy. Trust me. Jesus actually leaned in. Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. So how do you and I, how do we submit to this spiritual authority? Number one, accept that Jesus is God in human form. Accept that Jesus is God in human form. Yesterday I was with Joshua and we were at this really cool coffee shop next to Cherry Creek Mall called Aviano, I think is how you say it, or Aviano or something like that. I'm not cool enough to remember how to pronounce it. And I'm too country to actually know how to pronounce it. 
But I mean, I've never been to a coffee shop that was that busy. And we were standing um, next to these two young girls. And I could just tell that Jesus was all over these two girls. And so I watched them just to see what was going to happen. And they went outside and they started having a Bible study. See, you can't fake who you are. Do you know that? Oh, you can. You can. But people will see the real Jesus on you, even if they don't know who it is. Because they'll go, what's that? What's that? Every one of us will have to struggle with the fact that Jesus claims to be God. Every one of us. And if you want to read a good book on wrestling with who God is, one of the best books I've ever read is called The Question of God. And it compares Sigmund Freud to C.S. Lewis. Sigmund Freud was the son of a pastor. He was an SOP, all right? He was the son of a pastor. And he went from being a Christian to being an atheist. And he says, regardless of how much you hate your biological father, the most important day in, your, in a man's life is when his father dies. That was Freud. C.S. Lewis, on the other hand, started off as an atheist and became a Christian. And of course, we know these two characters in history. Someone asked C.S. Lewis, you know, like a good Southern Baptist would ask, when did you give your life to Jesus Christ? And he said, here's what I know. When I got on a motorcycle, I was not a Christian. Bill, you ready for this? And when I got off the motorcycle, I was a Christian. So I guess you better go get a motorcycle, right? Somewhere on that motorcycle ride, C.S. Lewis decided that Jesus was who he says he is, that he's God in the flesh, and that he was going to give his life to him. I don't know if you know this or not, but C.S. Lewis actually died on the same day that JFK was shot and killed. Just like Princess Di and Mother Teresa both died on the same day in history. Look at Matthew 21, 23. When he entered the temple, this is Jesus. So when he went into the church, the chief priests and the elders of the people, they came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Let me say it another way. Hey, Jesus, we got a question for you. Who died and made you in charge? What makes you think you can come up in here and take over? Now look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered them. Huh. I also will ask you one question. They weren't ready for this, by the way. And by the way, you will not be ready for what Jesus has for you in your life. When you think you've become smug with God and you've actually nailed his backside to the wall, like Job, when you really think you've nailed God on the issue, you see how great I am, Job was? You see how righteous I am, God? How could you do this to me? When God starts talking, 
You know, it's one thing to ask God a question, but when God starts asking you his questions, it gets really quiet. I'll ask you a question. If you tell me the answer, then I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. That seems like a fair deal. The baptism of John, from where did it come, from heaven or from man? And they discuss it among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he's going to say to us, then why do you not believe him? But if we say from man, we're afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. And you're going to run into a lot of people in your life like this as you try to live out your faith. They're not going to want to follow God, and at the same time, they're afraid of people. But they like their position of authority and their power, and so they're going to hedge their bets. So here's what they said. We don't know. We don't know. Now, in essence, they were lying because they had an opinion. And he said to them, well, then neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Did you catch that? They say, we don't know. Jesus says, I ain't going to tell you what I know. Did you catch that? We don't know, God. We get, we get on to playing dumb now. And God says, well, let me tell you something. If you're going to lie to me, I ain't going to tell you what I know. If we ain't going to have a real relationship, then you can forget it. It's beautiful. This is a brilliant philosophical moment that Jesus shows us, a side of his personality we rarely get to see. And it was his ability to be uh, sly in his approach with people who didn't want to be real but wanted to try to catch him. So how do you and I accept Jesus? Number two, accept that Jesus will not answer all your questions in this life. He won't answer them all. See, you and I are going to have to live in the tension of faith. And we may have to accept you ready? His silence. So yesterday, Joshua and I, we went to Denver and we dropped off Casey, his fiance. And when we dropped her off, we started to drive away. And I said, you know, Joshua, um, don't ever leave your wife. She's soon to be your wife. Don't ever leave her without hugging her, telling her you love her. And I'll see you later. Don't ever, I don't care. Don't, just don't do it. Just live by that boundary. I said, you never know when the end's gonna come. You just don't. And that's part of my story with my mom. And so yesterday as we came to the end of our day, we were on 470 and we saw the most horrific wreck that I've probably ever seen. Uh, and there was a white sheet over somebody's body on 470 yesterday. And it literally made me sick in my stomach. You don't know when your last day is coming. So live like every day is your last and one day you'll be right. Amen? Don't live with the fear of death. But don't live thinking you're going to live forever here. You're not. So God's going to leave us from time to time. I have questions about, you know, all that that happened to my mom. And at some point I had to leave that with the Lord. And live in the darkness of that and must trust him. 
And see, God may not answer some of the most important questions in your life. Do you understand that? See, the most important questions that Job asked in the book of Job, God didn't answer. He didn't answer them. He said, Job, you tell me this. You answer all these questions, and I'll answer your question. And Job then responds, I had heard about you, but now I've seen you. I don't have any questions. I don't have any questions. See, and this is, this is really hard, and I want, you to say, I want you to hear me say this. It's hard for me to accept what I'm getting ready to say. God not answering some of your questions, he knows will grow your faith better than if he answered them. Now, the Bible says, and, and this is a tough one, without faith, somebody say it, it's impossible to what? Oh. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there's going to be somewhere in your life where God is going to require you to trust him with the silence to the questions that matter most to you. It'll be your decision. Look at Matthew twenty-two, twenty-three. 23. The same day, Sadducees came to him who say there's no resurrection. You say, how can I remember what the Sadducees believe? This is a good seminary joke. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, therefore they were sad, you see, Right? They really believed that when you die, they were people of faith. But they believed as people of faith that when you die, it's just over, nothing. They said, teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were seven brothers among us. <laughs> I love these. The first married and died and had no offspring, left his wife to, be his, to his brother, so two the second, the third, down to the seventh, and after them all, the woman died. <laughs> I'm sure at this point, Jesus is rolling his eyes, right? And in the resurrection, therefore, the seven, whose wife will she be? Uh, for they all had her. But Jesus answered them, you're wrong. What? <laughs> I mean, if it were me, I'd be like, you're an idiot, okay? But Jesus is like, you're wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Let me say it another way. Why don't you get out your Bible and why don't you get to know God? You need to stop, ask, you stop asking these crazy questions. For the resurrection, they are married or are given in marriage, but they're like angels in heaven. As for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what is said to you by God? I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of living. Now, all of these people, as far as the Sadducees are concerned, they're dead. And God's like, no, you don't understand. They're more alive than you all are. That's what he's saying. I'm not your God. You're dead. I'm the God of these people. Yeah, but they're dead. No, they're more alive than you. So how do we submit to this authority? Look at verse 33. And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished. They might have said something like, that dude's got it going on. So number three, how do we submit to this spiritual authority? We accept the teachings of Jesus as our supreme authority. 
We accept the teachings of Jesus instead of reading the daily horoscope or the psychic hotline or rubbing a crystal or a rabbit's foot or let's, let's you know, this, this one's really cool in Christianity, right? And let's send positive vibes to each other, whatever the heck that means. You, you got some kind of power inside of you? You think you're going to do something for somebody? You ain't figured it out yet. Just keep living. You'll get it. Accept Jesus' teachings as supreme. You say, well, where do you learn them? You learn them in the Bible. You can't get to know God if you don't read the Bible. Or you'll be greatly impaired in your ability to get to know him. You say, well, where do I start? Oh, well, we've had an absolutely amazing midweek season since the beginning of the year. And this is not about guilt, but I just want to challenge you, man. There is some incredible things happening in our discipleship on Wednesday nights. I had the distinct pleasure of going to our student ministry uh, on Wednesday night and being with about, yeah, thank you, thank you, being with about 25 in the room and just like observing the discipleship that's happening. It's incredible. It's incredible. Like you cannot grow if you're not in proximity to relationship with other people of faith. You just can't. Now, you pick it. You pick, you know, whether you want to be in a huddle, whether you want to be in a life group, whether you want to be in a small group, whether you want to be in a, in a once-a-week discipleship group or whatever the case may be, whether you want to be in our weekend service. So here's a question I want you to think about. How much of the Bible informs your life? I asked this question recently to some professing Christians and their response back was maybe 50%, maybe 50%. Okay, that's fine. That's fair. And the person said, do you want me to be honest? Yes, I want you to be honest. I don't want you to lie about this question. But my answer should be as a follower, if I am a follower of Jesus Christ, my answer should be, whatever the percentage is, let's say 50%, let's go with that. The Bible informs 50% of how, my live, how I live my life, but it should inform 100%. Regardless of what I want to think about life, when I go to God's word, the word has to correct what I think about my life. Look at Matthew twenty-two forty-one. 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. What do you think about the Christ? That's a great question. It's like speaking in third person here. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? Well, they said to him, the son of David. Now, he's talking to them in third person because they don't believe he's the Christ. Do you understand this? He's not coming at them saying, you better know who I am. He's saying, who do you think the Christ is? Let's talk about this. This is a powerful moment. Whose son is it? They said the son of David. He said to them, okay, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord, saying the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. And so what he's saying to them is, do you understand that you don't have a proper understanding of who the Christ is? He's not just the son of David. He's the Lord of David. 
He's the God of of, of Jacob and Isaac and Abraham and David. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? No one was able to answer him a word. Now catch this. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. They got together. They had a business meeting. And they said this. We can't handle that dude. He, 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 he like brings stuff that we're not ready for and, and he really makes us look bad in front of the people we're in charge of. And, and listen, we're losing our authority. And I want you to understand something. The religious crucified Jesus primarily because they, he took away their pseudo-authority and made them feel less than they wanted to feel. And see, the battle for every one of us in coming to Christ and living for Christ is it's not about us. We must decrease so that he can increase. And so every one of us have to wrestle with this principle number four, accept your inability to understand everything about Christ. You will not understand Jesus in this life. You will not. You will not get to a place in your life where he feels safe to you. As C.S. Lewis would say, Aslan, he's good, but he ain't safe. He ain't safe. And as a 50-year-old man, with a couple of pastors in the room, Pastor Chris, Pastor John. We all know that whether we're pastors, regardless of what we do with our lives, as we age, we grow weary of this unsafe Aslan who's good. Because we get tired of being wounded. We get tired of being hurt. We get tired of being beat down and falsely accused. Amen? We do. And at some point, we have to take our hands off of that and we have to say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. As you read your Bible, there's going to be hard things to understand. Let me just give you a few of them. How God became human. How God parted the Red Sea and Israel walked across on dry ground. How Jesus walked on the water how God died, how the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary. I could go on and on. And see, here's what you have to know. At the end of the day, without faith, it's impossible to please God. I want my life goal to be to please God, okay? And you know what most Christians think pleasing God is? Sinning less, not sinning at all. We please God by faith when we say to him, I trust you with my life and especially the parts 
I don't understand. Amen? Amen. Will you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And a couple of weeks ago, we did this. I want to do it again. In a couple of weeks, we're going to call for baptism. And I want to invite every one of us to pray this prayer together. I'll say it, and you repeat it with me, and I would really encourage you to do so. That will give courage to people in the room who've never prayed it. You ready? Dear Jesus, I accept you as my spiritual authority. Jesus, you are God in the flesh who died for my sin and was resurrected for me to take away my eternal punishment. I put my faith in you, Jesus, to save me. Come into my heart and my life today. I believe in you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.